Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is From Abuse and Bitterness to Forgiveness. Once upon a time in their marriage, Saul Rosenberg did something really stupid. Ethel Rosenberg chewed him out for it. He apologized, and they made up. However, from time to time, Ethel would mention what he had done. Honey, Saul finally said one day, why do you keep bringing that up? I thought your policy was forgive and forget. It is, Ethel said. I just don't want you to forget that I've forgiven and forgotten. That's from AIish.com. Part of the reason life on earth is so difficult is because of the many wounds and betrayals we encounter on our journeys here. People hurt us, sometimes knowingly, knowing they are hurting us and not caring for whatever reason, sometimes not knowing. Some wounds are small and we quickly forget about them, but some wounds go deep or go on and on and on and don't heal so easily. When wounding goes on for years, it's often from abuse of some kind. There are numerous types of abuse. I talked about some of these in Escaping the Curse of Abuse. There's physical abuse, mental abuse, financial abuse, and more. So today we're going to talk about the pain of abuse and how the Lord can help us forgive the people who hurt us. You know, people who don't forgive think they are punishing the other person, but most of the time the person who wounded you just goes on with their life and don't care whether you forgave them or not. It's you it hurts, not them. We need to forgive, not just so we can feel better. It's more than that. When you refuse to forgive, you forfeit your salvation. You must be forgiven of your sins to enter heaven, right? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, But if you forgive men not, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And trespasses there mean sin. Oh, but you don't know how they hurt me, you say. Or you don't know what she did to me. Or how long they abused me. No, I don't. But I know what the word says, and I know the Lord will help you forgive no matter what was done or how long it went on for, because I had stuff happen to me too, and he helped me forgive what I had not been able to forgive on my own. So let's make no mistake here. Forgiving is not optional if you want to go to heaven and not hell when you die, and nobody gets a free pass regardless of what happened to you or for how long or by who. Oh, but they deserve to be paid back for what they did. I'm not saying they don't. In fact, I'm quite sure they do. Let's face it, we have all fallen short of the glory of God and deserve payback for all our sins. Yes, that means you too. And only by believing in Jesus do we get to pass on that. And one of the conditions of that pass is, you guessed it, you must extend the same forgiveness to every other person who ever hurt you, ever, period. So yes, They deserve to be paid back. But, as the military saying goes, that is above our pay grade. You and I are not qualified to pass judgment on anybody, no matter what they did to us. And if we do, 
If we do that, then the Lord himself will pass judgment on us. And I can tell you that you will not like what comes next. And if you have no fear of him and his power, that don't matter because he is still real and alive. And may he have mercy on your soul because you will need it. Can I just say that? Okay, so I have two dear friends with me today in the studio, my friend Dela and my friend Karen. We are going to have kind of a roundtable discussion about abuse and how it leads to bitterness and how do we go from that to forgiveness so we are finally free. Make no mistake, getting into bitterness is like taking poison. Bitterness poisons everything in your life. I became bitter once for just a short while during that wilderness when I almost became homeless in Princeton. And you know what? Nothing came out of my mouth that was not negative during that time. And I just felt foul all the time inside, spiritually foul. And it's because I was. So we don't want to go there, do we? Bitterness is like taking poison and unforgiveness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Let me share a story with y'all. It's called Forgiveness in Action. Pastor Hayes, a man in his middle 40s, was well-loved by his congregation and faithful to God and to his family. He enjoyed a successful ministry in in an exuberantly vital, growing church. Just when everything seemed to be going well, a cloud came over this man and his ministry. Rumors circulated through the church that Pastor Hayes was guilty of moral misconduct. He had been seen at the home of Miss Morrow, a school teacher, just a few weeks before she resigned for personal reasons and moved to another city. Apparently, someone in the church put two and two together and came up with five. Pastor Hayes was innocent, but the stain of the alleged scandal could not be erased. The rumors followed Pastor Hayes for years, seriously hampering his effectiveness as a pastor. It was difficult for him to endure the rejection, mistreatment, and misunderstanding caused by the false rumors, but it was even more difficult for him to witness the toll of these events on his wife and on his teenage son. It was 10 years later, after his son graduated from college, that Pastor Hayes learned how the hurtful rumors began. One night, a man the pastor had not seen for years appeared at his doors. Brother McLean, said Pastor Hayes in surprise, I haven't seen you in eight years, McLean supplied. It's been eight years since I left the church. McLean had been an elder in the church, but left a few months after his term expired. Pastor Hayes studied McLean's features. He looked older, and something was clearly troubling him. Please come in, the pastor invited warmly. No, McLean answered. I only have a few minutes to talk. I just had to tell you. I was the one responsible. What? I don't. The story about you and Miss Morrow, McLean interrupted. I was the one who started it all. You? Pastor Hayes' hands and voice trembled as old emotions flooded back. But why? You knew I was innocent, didn't you? Miss Morrow left town to care for her dying father. She called me to her house the day she learned of her father's cancer. I went there to pray with her. How could you twist that into... I know, I know. Tears began to fill the other man's eyes. I was twisted. Pastor, I twisted with jealousy. You see, before you came, I was a leader in this church. The previous pastor asked my advice on everything. People looked up to me. The programs I was involved in were flourishing. But when you came, a lot of new people came into the church. There were so many new programs and people, they didn't listen to my ideas anymore. The church got so big and it took a different direction. I felt left behind. I was so angry and bitter against you, Pastor Hayes. I don't expect you to forgive me, but I just had to tell you. The pastor stepped toward the man who had deeply hurt him for 10 years. And he wrapped his arms around Mr. McLean and embraced him. 
There in the yellow glow of the porch light, McLean sobbed away years of pent-up sorrow and guilt in the arms of the man he had wronged. And Pastor Hayes held him with strong arms of forgiveness and unconditional love, saying repeatedly, I forgive you, brother, I forgive you. That story is from the book Courage to Begin Again by Ron Lee Davis. Welcome to the show, Karen and Dela. Thank you for making the time to share your experiences with the listeners. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's great to be on your show. Karen, tell us a little about your experience of abuse. Karen is from Michigan, for all you other Michiganders out there that I know. Hi, Tom. When did you start being abused, and what kind of abuse was it? It was at four years old and sexual abuse. Karen, how long did the abuse continue? Till I was 18 for sure. What did you do at the end of it? I moved out. When I told mom about my step-grandfather doing it, we moved out that night. That's good. Were you bitter when it was all over? I was bitter at myself more than anybody because I thought it was my fault. The forgiveness was more forgiving myself. Describe a particularly memorable abuse event for us. Yeah, when I was 17 or 18, that was the last time it happened. I had stopped going around any of them when I was alone. I would get somebody else to go with me. I had one of my father's friends. He had never done this to me before. He called me into the back of his shop, and he pinned me up against the wall, and I couldn't believe I was back in the same situation again. Uh, Tell me about the forgiveness process for you. What brought you to that point and how you did it? Were you saved then? I was saved, but I was backslidden because I had read in the Word Jesus had told the guy to forgive 70 times 7 and that I couldn't make it to heaven unless I could forgive. I couldn't be forgiven unless I forgave. And then during the time I was laying in bed talking to the Lord, and he had me start touching my body with my hand, my head, my neck, my arms, my chest, every part of my body all the way down to my feet. And he had had, uh, me say, cleanse my body, cleanse it for you. Afterwards, I felt like I could fly was so light, and I felt free for the first time. I had a lot of stuff to get free from. I had had six abortions, and they were not my choice. Wow, you've had a really eventful life. When I was seven or eight, I was dared to cross a little creek by my friends and hit a deep hole, and I drowned. I saw my little life pass before my eyes. I saw that my mom was going to be mad at me because I died. I kept pushing with my feet when I'd hit the bottom so I could bob up and grab air, and my friends were just looking at me. And finally, I had no more strength to go back up, and it was just sinking down under, and I saw my spirit start leaving my body, and then all of a sudden, I heard a whooshing noise, and I felt my spirit being yanked back in my body. My friend's mom jerked me up by the hair of the head. Wow. Okay, Dela, tell us about your experiences with abuse. Dela is another native Texan, y'all. A big howdy to all my Texas people. We love y'all. When did you start being abused, and what kind of abuse did you experience? You could say I was before I was born. How could abuse start before you were born? Because my father abused my mother while she was pregnant with me. Was he trying to cause her to miscarry? Yes. How long did the abuse go on for? 18 years. Wow. How did the abuse end? I moved out, and four years later, I got saved. 
How did fear affect your life during the abuse? It controlled my life. In what way? I walked on eggshells. I could tell I was in trouble before I even came home. I could feel it in my spirit. At that time, I didn't know how I knew because of the soul tie a parent and child have. It made that connection where I could sense what was coming before it came. Wow. Tell us about a particularly memorable abuse event. I came home from school and a gun was pointed at my head and I crawled to the front door. That was the PTSD from the military training he had. How old were you then? Nine. Wow. How did you handle the fear when you knew you were going to be abused that day? I was a kid. I couldn't do anything. I just had to endure it. I remember the fear I felt well. Once I was so scared before my husband came home that it made me ill. Other times my stomach would just clench up when I was driving home from work and I was nearing home. Many years later, in 2007, I believe it was, I was in the Dallas area on break. And as I drove Central Expressway into McKinney, the way I used to drive when I was married, my stomach clenched up out of habit. And it was a terrible feeling. It brought all that fear back to my memory. What did you do when the abuse finally ended? I became angry and bitter and vowed never to forgive them. Kind of repeated myself there. Tell me about the forgiveness process for you. What brought you to that point and how did you do it? Were you saved then? The forgiveness process was when I got saved and that was the first thing the Lord wanted to deal with was my unforgiveness against my parents. Right before I got saved, a year before, he helped me start forgiveness towards my mother. My father was the last one because that was the worst one. He was the one who had PTSD from his military training and abuse from his own father. Like his father used to beat him with a razor strap and he would have to sit on a pillow for a week. And it started with my mother and my father was next. And it culminated to a decision where I went to the altar with both of them. I went to the altar with both of them in spirit. I said as far to the east as to the west in the sea of forgetfulness. Jesus had to deal with the root of bitterness in me before he could start healing process of forgiveness. And he surgically did that on me. It was a conversation between me and the Lord and he was waiting to deal with it. I was running from him because I didn't want to face it. I didn't want to think about the abuse. I jumped out a moving vehicle at my apartment, went in my apartment, locked the door, turned off all the lights, and literally hid myself in a corner. And at that time, his presence, after a while, his presence came in the room and he spoke to me. Don't you know I am the door? You can't lock me out. And I literally went into the living room, ran to the living room, sat on plywood board and screamed on my couch and screamed, Daddy, it hurts. At that point, I passed out. When I awoke, it was eight o'clock at night. This had started at three in the afternoon. And I thought I was in my bed under my comfy blankets. But I woke up different. And I knew at that point he had performed surgery on me. 
You know, we were talking just before we started recording about how all three of us suffered a lot of illness as children. And then it hit me, infirmity is not only an illness, it is moral weakness. And that spirit would have been on the abusers, so it would have transferred to us at the time that they abused us. Transferring sickness and moral weakness to us. Dela then prayed for that to be removed from us, and God showed her he sealed that door. Let me share a story with y'all, because I know y'all love stories, and I do too. Philip Yancey, in Rumors of Another World, shares a story of the remarkable, the story of an atrocity that happened during the days of apartheid in South Africa, and the recon reconciliation that followed in a courtroom many years later. A policeman named Vandebroek, Vandebroek recounted an incident where he and other officers shot an 18-year-old boy and burned the body, turning it on the fire like a piece of barbecue meat in order to destroy the evidence. Eight years later, Vandebroek returned to the same house and seized the boy's father. The wife was forced to watch as policemen bound her husband on a wood pile, poured gasoline over his body, and ignited it. Boy, talk about hard to forgive. The courtroom grew hushed as the elderly woman who had lost first her son and then her husband was given a chance to respond. What do you want from Mr. Vandebroek, the judge asked. She said she wanted Vandebroek to go to the place where they burned her husband's body and gather up the dust so she could give him a decent burial. His head down, the policeman nodded agreement. Then she added a further request. Mr. Vandebroek took all my family away from me, and I still have a lot of love to give. Twice a month, I would like for him to come to the ghetto and spend a day with me so I can be a mother to him. And I would like Mr. Vandebroek to know that he is forgiven by God and that I forgive him too. I would like to embrace him so he can know my forgiveness is real. Spontaneously, some in the courtroom began singing Amazing Grace as the elderly woman made her way to the witness stand. But Vandebroek did not hear the hymn. He had fainted, overwhelmed. You know, as humans, we feel like it's us against the world, don't we? But the Word of God says He is our Father, and He is our refuge, our fortress, and our deliverer. He is our protector. He is our provider. He is our everything. And guess what? If you will keep your side of the street clean by doing what is right in every situation, God will fight your battles for you. And as Dela so clearly said yesterday, when you've suffered abuse, that battle is entirely God's, especially if you were a child. And y'all, that means whoever or whatever is coming against you, attacking you, taking from you, or who has in the past, they have done that to him. You trying to avenge yourself is a total lack of faith in him and in his word and its sin. Can I just tell you that? He said vengeance is his. And I'll tell you something else. When you decide to fight that battle yourself and avenge yourself, God does not fight it for you. You get one or the other. You do not get both, just so you know. Unforgiveness can be hidden deep in your past. Ask God to reveal. Just because you stopped thinking about a person does not mean you forgave them. We are too close to going home to be holding grudges, y'all. What made me want to do this podcast was a few weeks ago, I was just going about my day, and I was praying, Lord, please reveal to me any unforgiveness that I have towards anyone, because there may be some I've forgotten about, and I want to be sure I'm ready at all times to come home to you. 
And then probably four or five days ago, I thought of this one old friend I had down near Galveston, and I started wondering what she was up to now. I did a quick internet search, and up came a picture of her husband. Not a person I ever liked, can I just say that, and with good reason. Y'all, he raped someone I loved after a party on Galveston Island one night. When his picture appeared on my screen in the searches, anger rose up in me and hate followed right behind it, and I realized I had some serious unforgiveness. Here is the unforgiveness test. Anytime you remember something someone did that hurt you and you feel anger, bitterness, or rage, any emotion like that, you are in unforgiveness and you are literally teetering on the edge of hell because if you die with it, that is where you will go. That's what the Word says. That's not what I say. That is what the Word of God says. Please hear me on this. I am trying to help you get to heaven. I love y'all, and I don't want a single one of you to miss heaven. I'm planning on having coffee with all of you up there. We are far too close to going home to be carrying around any unforgiveness. Can I just tell you that? Far too close. In fact, Nicole told me recently she was listening to Perry Stone's Prophetic Conference 2021, those teachings, and she came to one by Mark Biltz where he had done studies on all the dates and the Shemitahs and the feasts and whatever else I don't remember. And he said the Great Tribulation can only start on certain years and that if it don't start on a certain year, it cannot start for another seven years. And so I don't know the, the year, so y'all don't email me about that and ask, please. But I want to say it might have been next year is one of the years it can start, 2022, but I'm not sure. However, I looked, and I believe this is the same teaching he has out on YouTube under El Shaddai Ministries, look for when will, the, when will the tribulation begin. So anyway, we are super close. I'm not even kidding you. I'm not kidding you. And I worry every day if I have everything right. That's why I was praying about unforgiveness in my own heart. And I came up, up with, I think it was four or five people I have not completely forgiven. The reason I teach on this so often, y'all, is because I struggle with it too. That is the reason. It's hard to just forgive and forgive and forgive when people just wound you so deeply, okay? It just is. We're human. These are people who hurt me badly, needless to say, but you know what? We all hurt people. We all do. It don't matter what they did to me. I am required to forgive if I want to occupy my mansion in heaven soon when I go home, and I don't want anybody else living in my mansion. That's mine, okay? Nothing that happened to you, <laughs> they think I'm funny. Nothing that happened to you and no amount of anger or hatred towards somebody is worth missing heaven. Can I just tell you that? You do not want to be one of the people left behind when the great tribulation begins because earth is literally going to become like hell. You don't want to be here for that. I don't want any of y'all to be here for that. So I want you to think about something as you go through your week this next week. I want you to really meditate on how Jesus suffered in his body, with his body weight hanging from the nails in his wrists and his heels. And while he was hanging there, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Don't hold them guilty, Father, because they don't really know what they're doing. If Jesus, who was completely innocent of any sin at all, which we are not, can forgive the men who mocked him and made fun of him, who slapped him and pulled out his beard, who drove those nails through him, then you and I can surely forgive whatever happened to us. You know, there's a lovely story in the Bible of someone who suffered unjustly at the hands of another, but still forgave. I want to have a heart like this. My friend Nicole has a gentle, sweet spirit like this, and everybody loves and looks up to her. Let me tell you about Hannah in the Bible. Back in the days of Hannah, it was common for men to take more than one wife to produce more children. 
if they could afford to support that big of a family. Hannah's husband was Elkanah, and Elkanah's other wife's name was Peninnah, and she was hateful to Hannah. The Lord had shut up Hannah's womb for a time, and back then, you were considered cursed if you were barren. Elkanah loved Hannah more than Peninnah, and Peninnah was jealous, so she used Hannah's barrenness against her and made Hannah not only desperate to have a child, but made her weep with continual sadness. So Hannah went before the Lord and asked for a child and told the Lord if he would grant her a son, that she would lend him to the Lord all of his life, meaning he would work in the temple with the priest, and her request was granted. So Hannah was granted a son who became Samuel. Samuel became Israel's greatest judge, according to my Bible, and Peninnah had to shut up. Listen to Hannah's attitude after her prayer was granted. She didn't say, get her, Lord. You saw what she did. You see how that heifer treated me? Come on. This is Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving to the wonderful and merciful God who heard and answered her prayer. And this is probably also why Elkanah loved Hannah more. She had a loving spirit. Peninnah did not. 1 Samuel 2, verse 1. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased so that the barren both born, hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is wax feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave, and he brings up. The Lord makes poor, and he makes rich. He brings low, and he lifts up. He raises up the poor out of the dust, and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill, to set them among princes, and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked will be silent in darkness, shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. I think I've told y'all a story before about Corey Ten Boom forgiving one of the guards at Ravensbrook that showed up at one of her talks. You know, you may, you may or may not know this, but Corey Ten Boom saved herself from having PTSD by forgiving that man because PTSD is caused not by trauma. It is caused by not forgiving the perpetrators of the trauma you suffered. As soon as you truly forgive, you are set free. I was diagnosed with PTSD, and I believe it was 1992 or so. And there is no medical cure. PTSD is torture. Can I just tell you that? I am fully healed now, but when I had it, I suffered horrible nightmare cycles that would last as long as 10 days, which means every single time you go to sleep, the nightmares come, and they are bad ones. Let me just tell you, they are bad ones. Mm -hmm. And it would be set off by weird things like, I, would, I remember one time I walked into a doctor's office in Elk City, and there was a man across the waiting room who had big hands like my husband had, and I, it triggered it. And then that night, the nightmare cycle started. My sister Karen experiences that every so often. She has vivid dreams that are so real that bring everything back. That's part of the torment. 
So I can't even tell you how torturous PTSD is. My PTSD was a result of me not forgiving my children's father who had abused me while we were married. May he rest in peace. I pray he's in heaven now where he knows peace because he sure did not know any on earth. PTSD is what happens when Matthew 18.34 is activated in your life because of unforgiveness. That's in the parable of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18.32, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me. Should thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. There are no free passes into heaven if you don't fully forgive every person who hurt you. You don't get a free pass because the abuse was so bad or went on for so long. Nobody gets a free pass. The rules are the same for everybody, period. The word of God means what it says. Please do not let anyone deceive you by saying otherwise, or you're going to end up in hell. I read a story years ago about a woman who headed a ministry of deliverance. One of her team members was stricken with uterine cancer. She sent the woman home to find out why the disease had come on her, as she believed it was some moral failure on the woman's part. As the woman sought God, she discovered she had terrible unforgiveness against her former spouse, which is why, y'all, it manifested in her uterus, because that has to do with, you know, couples. Her former spouse had been unfaithful to her. The unforgiveness being of a romantic partner had manifest in a body part related to that. As soon as she forgave, she was miraculously healed, and she returned to her work at the ministry. Many ministers say they have linked unforgiveness and bitterness to arthritis and other forms of bone disease, to cancer, and a host of other ills we don't want in our bodies. Unforgiveness is a sin, and any sin that gives the devil legal right to attack you, and no matter how much you pray for healing or get prayed for, you will not receive healing until you let go of the unforgiveness. Could this be why so many who are prayed for do not get healed? I think it could, and I think it is. The woman who worked with that ministry did not even know she had not forgiven, and many of us don't realize we haven't either. I was talking to a friend. He compared unforgiveness to a hand that has tightly clutched something for so long that the muscles have atrophied and the fingers are stuck, and it no longer even knows it is holding on. We need to look at our own hands and ask the Lord to show us anything we have been clutching for so long that we no longer realize we're holding on to. Many people feel they can forgive but not forget. And that as long as they say they have forgiven, they have obeyed the Lord. But I ask you this, when God forgives us, does he remember? Why would you want to remember? Thank you, Karen and Dayla, for being with me on this show. I know the listeners will benefit greatly from what you have shared here about your experiences with abuse and how you forgave your abusers. When you forgive, he removes the pain of the memory as he heals you. He does, that's true. And um, so that when you look back, you're able to give him glory. Just that upon you talking to us about doing a podcast on forgiveness, that I thought I'd forgiven everybody throughout my life that had done me wrong in ways. But... You come to realize that maybe you have not, and it's best to reevaluate yourself so you will be right with the Lord. Amen. Nobody's worth going to hell for. Nope. Nothing that ever happened to you is worth entering hell even for five minutes.
We hope this podcast has been a help to all of you. I want y'all to remember this week to ask the Lord to reveal to you any person you have not fully forgiven. You cannot enter heaven with that unforgiveness. And I don't care what happened to you or who did it. You don't get a free pass on forgiving. We don't either. The rules are the same for everybody, y'all. Please hear me. Please hear me on this and remember. Lord God in heaven, I lift up every person under the sound of my voice right now. And I ask you in your great mercy to reveal to us any person we have not completely forgiven. Lord, bring them back to us again and again and again until we have completely released them, until we have thrown their sins as far as the east is from the west. Please touch our hearts and heal us from any abuse we have suffered. Heal all the listeners, Lord, known or unknown, and help us to forgive as fully as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Do you know someone suffering from domestic violence or another form of abuse like verbal abuse? Did you know abuse has deep spiritual roots that cause abuse to be attracted to a person throughout their lifetime? Now, the Escaping Abuse Study Guide helps you discover and remove those spiritual roots so you won't be an abuse magnet. Get the Escaping Abuse Study Guide or get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. Escaping Abuse Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available now on Amazon.com. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 is a collection of 58 short inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com, in print or new audiobook. There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I. Do you know someone who is going through a wilderness season right now? Have you heard about the Wilderness Companion Study Guide? It's a workbook with 41 lessons, including new stories from the wilderness and questions to help you work through your own wilderness experience. Read each lesson. Then complete the questions to apply the lesson to your own wilderness experience. 
Get your copy of the Wilderness Companion Study Guide today and get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. The Wilderness Companion Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available on Amazon.com.